Welcome to the People of Packaging podcast, where we introduce people to the world of packaging and the people of packaging to the world. Here are your hosts, Adam Peek and Ted Tate. All right, so episode three is coming to you now from uh, the People of Packaging podcast. Uh, I mentioned this in in episode one, is that uh, we we get better. We are learning this podcast thing, and so you may see some changes in terms of quality of audio. We'll be increasing. A lot of these interviews we recorded a few months ago, and we had different equipment and all that kind of stuff. Um, but they're, they're people whose voices are important. So, uh, with, with Paulette Grams, who's going to be the interview here for episode three, um, the, the audio is a little bit different. It's, it's not quite to the level we want it to get to. Um, but we, we couldn't get an, another interview done with her in time and we wanted for her to be, uh, this, this episode. So, um, uh, you know, Ted is uh, doing a, an incredible job with managing and mixing and and crafting the audio. Uh, but if it's if it's a little bit uh, if it's a little bit different, then you know, again, can just have a little grace on us. Uh, I promise you, this won't be the intro every time uh, as as we've continued to get better. But I really hope you enjoy this interview with Paulette. Paulette is one of my favorite people in the entire packaging industry. Uh, we are co-workers, so we work for the exact same company, but she is one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to the things that she does. Uh, and and more than that, though, she is a very dynamic person. So she's she's both left brain and right brain, you know, she's very technical, she's very, she's very much, uh, she, she can talk with the engineers, but also with the creative department, hey, how can we, how can we get everybody happy, she does a really good job of doing that, so I really hope that you enjoy this interview with Paulette, uh, you can be able to contact her on LinkedIn, we'll put her connection in the, in the notes for the podcast, so uh, yeah, enjoy episode number three, thanks. All right, I'm here with Paulette Grams. This is our third episode of this lovely podcast, trying to make a packaging podcast, which just doesn't exist. So uh, Paulette and I are out here in Salt Lake City. We, uh, we work for the same company, so we get to spend a lot of time together on doing all sorts of fun stuff that I'm sure she'll be able to get into. Um, but it's exciting. She was actually the, the first person I thought about when I was like, I need to record, I need an episode for need a person on this podcast. Uh, Paula, you were the first person I thought about. So thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this and coming out to Utah. Thank you, Adam. For sure. Um, so we're, we're doing this podcast. It's, it's the people of packaging. So we want to talk about packaging, but it's really about the people who are in this, this industry. It's largely kind of an unknown industry. Everyone knows about packaging, but it's, kind of rare to meet somebody in it until you get in it. And then you seem like, it seems like, you know, everybody once you get in it, cause it's such a tight knit uh, group and community. So we're trying to just offer up uh, stories here about the people who are in it, the things that they do, the challenges they're facing uh, and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of the, the gist of what we got going on here. So first question is, you know, kind of introduce yourself. So we meet at a 
networking function, business meeting, you know, at a, at a party or something like that. And I say, so Paulette, who are you? Tell me about what you do. Uh, how do you answer that question? Oh, that's always a good one. Uh, so my name is Paulette Browns. I'm with WS Packaging, and I specialize in extended text labels to meet regulatory and multiple language demands. Uh, and usually if I'm in a networking party and I say that to someone, they gloss over. like They have no idea of what exactly that means. So the next part I would say to someone is, you know when you go to the store and you're walking down the aisle and you pick up a bottle and there's a little tab on the side where you open up a book and you read information and then you reseal it. And then, of course, everyone says, oh, yeah, 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 that's what I do. Right. So I specialize in um, really um, the manufacturing of the extended text labels, and that's having to do um, with a, a strong manufacturing background, um, also with uh, running a project management office that helps customers understand that they don't have to have all the answers. Um, we do provide uh, the art templates and the designs uh, and kind of work as their uh, liaisons with their contract manufacturers and um, and also take their brand, brands into consideration. So lots of different moving parts. Right. So, um, but in, even before that, though, I mean, like you ran a company, right? Like it wasn't, I mean, obviously this is, this is what you do and you do it very well today and that's what we get to work together on. But, you know, even before that, I mean, you, you were running a whole business, right? I mean, you were... Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how this works because I've, I, I pretty much started a, a company um, along with uh, about 11 other employee owners, a uh, company that uh, specialized in really the pharmaceutical and cosmetic industry. Uh, we did um, anywhere from one to 12 color flexographic printing um, before 12 colors was cool. Um, and really looking at the competitive marketplace, stopped and said, okay, what's going to go on in the, in, in the industry where we could create a niche? And so the fun part of my um, background has been creating six patented products uh, to meet the uh, labeling laws of 1998 with the Shea Act, uh, with the um, over-the-counter uh, labeling laws that went into effect in 2004, the infamous sunscreen OTC monograph, um, and really built a whole company out of the need to have packaging to meet those guidelines. Right. So yes, I've done every job there is: customer service, estimating, you know, planning, uh, manufacturing, purchasing presses, um, papers, adhesives. Uh, I pretty much have. Um, a little bit of knowledge in every area of manufacturing labels. Yes. Yeah, and I kind of mentioned that when um, when I was interviewed about the um, how there are things that will happen. You know, the the government will make a decision, and nobody thinks about the label until the very end. They're like, "Oh no." Um, yeah. So so you did a much better job of talking about it than I did. I was like, yeah, you know, something will happen with sunscreen and now they need to fit twice as much copy on a little tiny space. Uh, so when, like, how did you get into labels? I mean, it's just, it's just one of those, it's one of those things that I've found. Nobody is, uh, 
very few kids are, you know, eight, nine, 10 years old. They don't have posters of Mark Andy presses up on their walls. <laughs> you know, they're not like, oh man, this is what I want to do when I get older. I'm really passionate about flexographic and digital label printing. Um, and that, that's fine, right? Because certainly I didn't. I was going to be, uh, I was going to be a rapper or a NBA player. <laughs> so I never <laughs> thought I'd be in this industry either. But so how, what was that like for you? How did you get into this? What was that like for your career? Um, you know, as you grew up one way and then this happened, this happened, and all of a sudden you're creating a company to handle the Shea Act. Well, it's funny because I think it's my, I was a very young entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, and I literally remember going out and uh, in those days it was JC Penney's where you bought your suits. And, Are they still around? Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't Sears know. is shutting down. Yeah. JC, I'm like, what's yeah. happening? Kmart went away. Exactly. Well, I went to JC Penney's and I bought a suit that I could not afford. Um, and I decided that I was going to go get a job because uh, in starting a couple of companies, um, you know, I was young. I was you know, in my early 20s. And said it's time to settle down and go see if I can if I find a career. Wait, hold up. So in your early before you did this, you had already started a couple of companies. Yes, yes. Okay. I actually. Um, you just like glossed over that. You're like, you know, I was in my early twenties. I'd already started a couple of companies. <laughs> like that's what every eighteen or nineteen year old person does. Well, I think one of the things you asked, how did I get into this industry, and what I would say to anyone is that um, I took this job thinking that. I would be there for a few years until I found something else. Mm -hmm. And really what happened is I fell in love with the creativity that goes into printing and, and packaging, meaning that I could be a businesswoman, a young entrepreneur. I could create new business, which fed into that, that hunting that I'd like to do, going out and meeting and networking and, and being with customers. I could also feed my own creativity of creating things that don't exist, mm -hmm. uh, looking for what customers were looking for and then problem solving. Um, I could then turn around and take those you know, same loves and then turn it into manufacturing, which it's really cool to come up with an idea, talk to a customer about it, find out that that's what they want. And then figure out how to manufacture it. Right. And then after you're done, you're holding something going, wow, look at this. And it's, and then you have it applied to a label, of the label to a product, and then you go to the store and you see it on the shelf. Mm -hmm. I really, really had a good time doing that. And so even though I worked for someone, I became an entrepreneur within that company um, and started as a customer service person, um, worked my way, you know, into estimating and all these different divisions and and then finally worked my way up to the VP of sales um, and at that point I said you know hey um, it's time to do something specific in this industry because there are these guidelines coming up right and I have these ideas and you know one thing about leadership and when you're working is there are no, there's you can have an idea all day long but unless you share it and unless you work in a, uh, in a team, uh, it takes many, many different types of people coming together to make something, you know, um, work. Right. Um, and so in this situation, uh, I was able to use my passion for the industry to say, hey, let's build it and they will come. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, it does usually uh, also mean that you're mortgaging your, your house <laughs> or uh, you're borrowing money. And, um, you know, but in this situation, it, it turned out great. You're one of the few people that when I have been, when I first started at WS and I, I don't remember what time it was. But you were like, you see this press right here, this press, I mortgaged my home to buy this press. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this exact one. That was wild. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. So it was funny because I was thinking, I don't know, are you a Seinfeld fan at all? Of course. Okay. Well, I, don't, I assume so. Soup's not, soup is not no, dinner. No soup for you. Uh, but it, you're like the, like the queen of... Um, understatement you're like you know so i went from like customer service and then it was it's like the episode of yada 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 it's like yada 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 i was a vp of sales and then i'm like whoa oh yeah and then i became the president of the company yeah did i add that i'm a patent holder too yeah no it's awesome it's awesome uh that's that's really cool and uh, where'd you grow up you know i grew up in the high desert um in an area where you know there wasn't a lot of industry there um, the high and, desert and California, California. Okay. Yeah, California and the high desert wasn't a lot of industry. And I came to Newport beach, California, um, because if I was going to live in the city and might as well live at the beach. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's kind of funny how things worked out. Cause I worked in the construction industry and that's where I started business pulling permits and, and, uh, actually selling leads and closing deals and, Oh, and then there for a while, I was a telemarketer. Uh, I sold extended car warranties in front of my fame. Uh, 15 minutes of fame came. I actually sold uh, an extended car warranty to Sam Walton. All right. To the Sam Walton. It was your only 15 minutes until this podcast. Right. That, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, obviously. But, but, this but is... What most people <laughs> learn is that there are many 15 minutes of fame right. in life right. and in a career. Yeah, the the fifteen people that'll listen. No, hopefully there's more. I don't know. Uh, that's awesome. So you're you're doing obviously a lot of innovation type work. Um, what what do you see happening in in the future? You know, I mean, there's there's talk of technology, and there's all. And the, the nice thing about packaging, and the reason why I think it's a cool industry to highlight, is until we can sort of like Mike TV, remember from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? Till we can teleport a product, it comes off the manufacturing line and it's just in its beautiful little bottle and then we zap it directly to the consumer, there will be a need for, for packaging, primary, secondary packaging. Um, so what do you see happening next? You know, maybe not like what are you working on right now, but obviously you had the foresight to go, this is coming, I'm going to start a company with some other people because this is coming, what kinds of things do you see happening next within the packaging space that, that you're excited about without giving away too many secrets, obviously? Well, you know, in this scenario, one of the, again, one of the things I'm a product development manager now, and I love doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I'm so passionate about it, because there's nothing better than having a customer show you what their issues are, what problems they're having where they're spending way too much time and their money and their labor, what, what's stopping them from speed to market as quickly as possible. Right. And there's been a very large shift, of course, in the last three to four years in the online products, mm -hmm. you know, and 
where it used to be, and you still see the commercials or you still see the packaging that basically says, hey, you've got three seconds to grab somebody's attention on the shelf. Right. Well, that's not necessarily the space anymore when you're buying online. Um, and of course, I specialize in extended text labels. So people say, well, you know, I don't really need all that information on my package. But in fact, that's not true. Mm-hmm. So if you're selling in the US, if you're selling in the EU, if you're selling in Health Canada, it is still a true fact that if you're selling it on the shelf or if you're selling it on the internet, um, that the customer must be able to, you know, uh, receive their information and have access to ingredient panels, drug facts panels, nutritional uh, facts panels. And a lot of this has to do with legalities around a product line. So, you know, allergies, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are allergic to things that you don't want them using. Um, there's the... Everyone's allergic to peanuts now, I think. It's like, like you can't, pretty soon they're just going to be gone. <laughs> yeah, well, peanuts and there's always an excuse to take a Benadryl for something. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, it, Fragrance is a big one. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you know, the EU has the 26 allergens. And in the EU, they don't use them at all. But in the U.S. and Canada, we do we right. use these allergens. So um, having that information readily available for the customer is an, an important part. And what I see is the transition that when this product is on the shelf, uh, using labeling, your brand is number one. The ingredient panels, the drug facts panels, that's the information you try to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want that brand to be strong. But when you're selling it on the internet, it's the same thing. We're trying to get rid of the over-packaging. So, you know, where there's a folding carton and an insert and an insert and then a label and then a bottle and all of this packaging, packaging, packaging. Um, I've seen some very interesting customers now selling things in flexible pouches mm-hmm. uh, versus the carton. And in that scenario... Uh, we're reducing waste in those situations, right. less paperboard. Uh, in the cosmetic industry, you know, there were there have been companies where their trend was to stay in a folding carton so that they would have billboard space. And then luckily there were companies that said, we're going to take all of our products out of folding cartons. And so if you're selling on the internet or if you're selling on the shelf, reducing your packaging is very, very important. Um, but you still have to have proper labeling. Right. And it can still look nice and clean um, without being overpackaged. Uh, an example would be toothpaste. You know, there's no reason for the folding carton. Uh, the only reason that folding carton is even in, in play there is in order for this to sit on the shelf and stack up nicely. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, there's really no need for that folding carton. So uh, toothpaste being sold in a uh, different avenue will help to reduce that overall, that that folding carton will be out of there. Because if you sold it online, you don't need the folding carton any longer. And all the folding carton people that might hear this are like giving you the stink face. Like, no, you, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. But it's right. Because every, everybody, that is the thing, right? It is reduction in packaging reduction. is because of, as we were talking about, as JCPenney around, as Sears around, all of these retailers it's like the question is, isn't is re- what's happening to retail. It's how are retailers going to compete with the fact that right now on the internet, I can do all of my Christmas shopping if I wanted to. And I don't need the shelf space. I don't need the folding carton. It's not going to provide anything for. So, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. So you're, you're kind of looking at 
the the future of packaging as continuing to reduce it in order to make it on brand compliant legally and it gets to the customer it's not selling at the shelf as much obviously there's still retailers that are doing just great but for the most part we're seeing that shift we're definitely seeing the shift and and keep in mind with extended text labels the purpose of the extended text label is so that the consumer can read the information and most people would think well if i do the extended text label i could get rid of the folding carton well it depends on what industry you're in or what category you're right. in and otcs an extended text label and a folding carton together are are still married that way mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily that we're trying to get rid of the folding carton it just depends on what avenue you're in but as we're going to this internet i do see more and more companies getting rid of the folding carton and then selling things in value add uh, cosmetic mm -hmm. companies who are selling uh you know pouches or makeup bags um, adding an extra little gift for the consumer oh yeah uh, i would much rather um, order my mascara and my blush and get a free makeup bag versus it coming in another folding carton that I have to put away. Right. Um, same thing with these companies that are using uh, small baggies. Uh, the weight is less. Uh, they can put a lot le a lot more product um, in a uh, shipper. Mm -hmm. An envelope shipper, by the way, versus a folding or an e-flute folding carton. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Kind of our last our last question here that we've been asking everyone is uh, so we, we've looked forward we've kind of talked about the here and now we've talked a little bit about your past so if if I'm you know twenty something years old and I'm just getting into the packaging industry I'm 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 customer service Paulette and I'm about to I'm gonna I'm gonna yada 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 my way to president of the company or whatever it is right what kind of advice would you give to, to younger people, either in the industry or just maybe younger people in general, about this space, um, whether it be career advice or, uh, you know, kind of a books to read or a, a principle to live by, something that you could share with somebody that they would go, if they're listening to this, they'd go, yeah, I'm a I'm packaging engineer at Michigan State. And when Paulette said this on that podcast, that really helped me. What, what kind of things would that be? Well, first, though, first, I have to say that staying curious is the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. If, if you're curious by nature, if you need variety by nature, if you get bored easily doing the same thing over and over again, the printing and packaging industry is a great space to make a career. Oh, you know, amen. I'll give you, I'll right? give you from, from the Reverend, you get an amen on that one. Uh, there's, there's nothing is ever the same. Right. It doesn't matter what you did five years ago because now it's different. Um, when it comes to inks and coatings and, and materials and adhesives and manufacturing and uh, new equipment and new application equipment and, and how you marry everything together and then how you market it. And there's, color the color of the year just i mean you know you're a printing dork when you can't wait for them to announce the what color was the, of the newest year. one i just saw it's it's uh it's a coral color yeah yeah yeah. i like i want to turn it into a lipstick it's a fantastic <laughs> color um so there's so many little exciting things about printing and packaging that i think is good for someone who says you know what i don't know if i could do the same thing and the same job my whole life mm -hmm. because 
I have never done the same job. 31 years in the industry, I just can't even believe it. And how did I stay so long? Because it was never the same. I right. never did the same job. Uh, I never got bored. And the beautiful part, too, is that the customers change. You know, you may work in the medical device industry or the pharmaceutical industry, or the cosmetic industry or the food industry, um, you know, and now the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. So there's always a new industry to learn about that you can take the knowledge that you have and, and share. Yeah. So it's always moving. It's always changing. Yeah. And there, I mean, there's going to be brands in 10 years that, didn't even exist now that we're going to be going, Oh my gosh, do you remember when brand, whatever it is, wasn't even around and they're going to be the, the next, whatever it is, the next big Apple. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So uh, I, I completely agree. I mean, staying, if, if you're prone to curiosity, then the printing and packaging spaces is, is really great. That's awesome. Uh, well, last thing I would say, yeah, though, go for it. Be very, your Excel sheets, understand supply chain. So printing packaging. Yes. Uh, be curious about supply chain. Know who your customers are and mm. and and what they're looking for, because you can learn all the information you'd like. But what you want to know is what what challenges your customers have, and that again adds to the curiosity because the problems always change. Yeah. No matter what. So being a good problem solver. Yeah, and even uh, even when you said that, I know I was about to wrap it up, but it just reminded me. When you say customer, obviously we are a, a vendor to a lot of customers, but understanding the supply chain, if you are on the supply chain side of packaging and understanding what does the vendor go through is, is equally as, as valuable. And, you know, everybody has a customer, right? If you're, if you're a buyer, you might have internal stakeholders, but everybody has a, has a, a stakeholder or a customer that you have to know what you're providing for. So that's awesome. Uh, well... Thanks so much for knocking this out, and uh, hopefully, this thing gets some gets a little bit of traction. We can encourage some people in this uh, in this crazy world that is packaging. So, thanks a lot, Paulette. Thank you. Bye bye. This concludes our third episode. We'd like to thank Paulette for sharing her wisdom and her experience through and within this industry. Please join us for episode four coming up, where we will be interviewing Brandy Parker of Pearl Fisher, who has to have the most interesting title I've come across in my professional life. Uh, I won't spoil it, so you just have to tune in. Uh, And also would like to remind everyone to follow us on LinkedIn, People of Packaging Podcast, as well as on Facebook, and follow us, connect with us, um, refer us to people who have interesting stories, or if you yourself have an interesting story that you would like to share with the packaging community, uh, drop us a line, and we will definitely get back in touch with you. So, until the next episode, which will be in about two weeks or so, please tune in and check out the Business and Bourbon podcast and the Business and Bourbon Network. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.